my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a terrific weekend. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Aaron Bandler. Always a great time talking to Aaron. And uh, we had a lot to discuss. We recapped uh, the first week of the NFL season and talked some fantasy football nonsense. Uh, we talked about the governor of New Mexico suspending the Second Amendment for 30 days and the reaction from the right, uh, and a bunch more. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before we get to Aaron, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Aaron Bandler. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Aaron Bandler. Aaron, how you been, man? Doing pretty good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, except for football. But, <laughs> but yeah. general life, and I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, but I, we got to start with some NFL, dude. I know some people who don't care about sports get, get pissed at me anytime I do this. But, hey, man, week one of the NFL, we've been waiting for it for what seems like forever. Um, and look, man. It was the featured game on Fox yesterday, so I assume a lot of people in the audience watched Steelers Niners. And look, as you know, I picked your team, San Francisco, to win the Super Bowl, so I assumed you would win. But this was the absolute worst case scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. I mean, I think going into the game, a lot of people were expecting it to be a one score game. A lot of people were even picking the Steelers. Uh, and certainly, most of us were Niner fans who were concerned that this game was going to be tough because it's week one, it's on the road. Uh, you know, Bosa had just, both have been holding out all, all off season until like last Wednesday. Um, you know, Kittle have, have been kind of banged up. And, and so it seems like, you know, this, this could be like, a lot of times the Niners also tend to start out their season slow. So this seems like this is going to be like a, like a close, like gut wrenching week one loss. And then didn't happen. You know, it, it looks like, you know, the Niners, all, all last year when Brock was healthy, when Brock was healthy and, and played all the games from start to finish, just a beatdown. Um, yeah. And it was just, you know, I mean, it certainly has a lot of us who were, there are some weird vibes around the Niners all, all, in the offseason. Part of it was just the Bills to hold out and then Trey Lance being being traded to the Cowboys. Um, and, and then yesterday's game was a reminder that, like, none of it mattered. You know, <laughs> this, this is still a historically great team. On yeah. paper, anyway, and uh, you know, as long as they stay healthy, I, I like our chances uh, this year. So do I. No, I'm I'm uh, uh, extremely confident in my my Super Bowl pick. Um, you know, unless uh, unless it turns out the Steelers are like the worst team in the league, which I don't think that's true. They might have the worst quarterback yeah, in the league. Either. I mean, Kenny Pickett. I mean, it's within the the range of outcomes here that Kenny Pickett's like out of the NFL in two years. Like, he was really bad. He was missing guys. Like, there was a—Fred Warner should have had a pick six, and Kenny missed his receiver so badly that he threw it, like, two yards behind Fred Warner. I mean, like, he missed the receiver in, on a crossing route by, like, 10 yards. I mean, it was like, man, I, 
even when he had a clean pocket, he was missing guys, throwing behind guys. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's like bad. it was. I mean, it was real rough. It looked like yeah, Sam man, Darnold I mean, or somebody like that out there. <laughs> the Niners backup quarterback, Sam Darnold. Uh, oh, that's but, right. Uh, I forgot, forgot yeah. about that. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean, the Niners defense does does that to opposing quarterbacks just because they're so physical and. You know, and 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 with that defensive line, they really throw quarterbacks off rhythm. So let's uh, let's see how that King Pickett does against defense that isn't nearly as good. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I it's certainly like he didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence yesterday. Yeah, that's a uh, that is a very generous <laughs> way to put that. Yeah, <laughs> didn't didn't inspire a lot of confidence. I, I'll tell you what, it t- I I did win my uh my matchup in our league uh because I did draft Christian McCaffrey. It was at the expense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that sucks. But, you know, that's fantasy football for you. But I did beat yeah. our boy, J.J. Leahy, by half a point. I think it was like .6 points. Um, and I needed every every single yard <laughs> from CMC. I mean, it really came down to the wire. So that took a little bit of sting off. You beat Jeremy Frankel by, like, the widest margin I've ever seen in our league. Yeah, that was just a ridiculous blowout. I mean, Yikes. I think it's just sometimes fantasy you have – one of those weeks where it's like everyone on your roster does well and your opponent just everyone on his roster just like laid an egg. Um, and, and the thing is that there are weeks where the opposite happens, you know, that it's a, so, um, I mean, that's, that's just fantasy for you, I guess. Uh, but def- I'm definitely feeling good about, uh, you know, my, my fantasy roster this year. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, last year, you know, I started off like five and or something and then I, you know, I ended up being bounced uh, in, in the playoffs pretty quickly. So a lot can change in fantasy. Just, it was like a lot can change in the NFL. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the season goes. And you didn't, you're usually like a huge homer in our league too. And you actually didn't draft a ton of 49ers players, which was yeah, kind of a yeah, shock. I, I, yeah, I only drafted Brock Purdy as a backup. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I it's like you always drop where... you you always draft Ayuk and he's like never relevant for fantasy and the one year you don't have him he's gonna be like wide receiver three. <laughs> yeah, he's have like fifteen yeah, touchdowns. Just, you know, just my luck. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes that's just how the board falls. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's my, my first few picks. You know, uh, my first few picks were Austin Eckler, uh, Stephon Diggs, Chris Olave, and then Kenneth Walker the third. And, and so, but, but so it's like each of those. Each of those rounds, it's like those were all like fairly obvious picks to make. Oh, for so, sure. So like that's just how the board falls sometimes, you know. Or actually, oh, yeah. wait, sorry, I, I think it's like my, my after uh, after Olave, my next pick was Keenan Allen, and then Kenneth Walker the third. And it's just, but but the point still stands is that like sometimes with the the way the board falls, it's like you know you have to go with the objectively. Best oh, for pick, sure. You know, and so you know, and almost like in, in in drafts, you know, there's. Always certain times there's a run on QBs or a run on defenses, and you have to sort of adjust accordingly. Uh, and of course, and of course, as you know in our league, there tends to be a run on quarterbacks early and often. Oh, so. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big time. Yeah, man. There's always a couple quarterbacks going in the second round. And uh, yeah, my draft, I had CMC, Tony Pollard, Waddle, and Godwin. My first four rounds. Yeah, and those I are just like. <laughs> yeah, I mean Pollard, like. I and it we're a full PPR league and I didn't want to go RB RB but it's just like you know I have McCaffrey he's going to catch a bunch of passes anyway so that kind of cancels that out and it's just like man do I take a receiver I want to take a receiver in the second but Tony Pollard it's like he's the only running back on the team he's going to touch the ball 25 times a game like you just can't 
I just couldn't pass him up, you know? Yeah, it, it, it was his, he's going to have a big year and now that he is, like, the full-time RB1 in Dallas. I, I think, like, people were saying, I remember, like, the past couple of years, people were saying that Tony Pollard had basically, was basically better than Zeke, and the Cowboys just kind of, like, stubbornly kept running Zeke anyway, just because, you know, they're the Cowboys. Steelers uh, fans don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. Old Najee Harris. Man, Najee Harris is the slowest running back I've ever seen, including Jerome Bettis. I mean, like, dude, Niners linebackers had absolutely no problem catching up to Najee Harris. Yeah. Like, there's just I mean, no, I, 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 there's yeah, no I mean, burst, the, the, there's the, no the speed there. Does that, though. I mean, yeah. that defense is usually pretty good about shutting down the run early, you know, so, but. Well, mission yeah. accomplished. <laughs> mission accomplished, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like they like to make, they like to make offenses one-dimensional, and yeah, I mean, like, it was very, I mean, I think the Steelers are definitely a run-first team, and so, I guess it was the result of what happens when they have to be, like, a pass-happy team. I believe they had 26 or 28 rushing yards. Yeah, that Something is like abysmal. That. Really, that's really, real tough. <laughs> real tough. Yeah. Before before we jump over to politics, I do have to mention my favorite quote by an NFL player yesterday. For some reason, the Bengals came in with the highest paid player in league history and got blown out by the Browns somehow. And, dude, Jamar Chase, the star receiver, post-game had a great line. A reporter asked him about the game, and he was like, something along the lines of, man, I'm just frustrated because I called those guys elves and we just got beat by a bunch of elves. I was like, man, not to make everything political, but I really wish Donald Trump handled his 2020 loss just like that. Like, just admit you lost, but also still insult the other side, <laughs> even in defeat. <laughs> like, that's definitely the funniest way to handle that situation. Absolutely. And I feel like politicians should uh, should learn a lesson from it. I think, yeah, there's certainly a lot of just life lessons in general that, that can be learned from football since, you know, football is, is like the ultimate team sport. Well, I mean, you can say baseball is too, but, you know, but in terms of like, you know, the leadership qualities and the scouting that's needed to build a good team, uh, you know, I, I think in the NFL, uh, and the whole, po- whole point about, and, and sorry, also the fact that the NFL is also like, you know, is also very much a meritocracy. You know, I think if more people like, you know, learn if more people live their lives like, you know, people. They were, I, I think society really took to heart the NFL and, and what it, what it embodies. I think we better, I think we'd be better off as a society. Oh, for um, sure. I mean, that's why it's so popular. Is because like even people that aren't follow. athletic at all, just relate to that. Like you just relate. Like what? That's why war movies are popular too. Because it's like you don't have to be a soldier to like. Every every human being like understands what war is, what battle is. You know, it's because it's just ingrained. It's just what right. we've been doing to each other for ten thousand years. You know what I mean? So it's just exactly. like everybody gets it. And it's funny, man. Like football was invented by college professors in the mid eighteen hundreds, which is hilarious because we think that of universities now as just like just yeah. a just a fact, just churning out just pussies. <laughs> you know what I mean? And these college <laughs> yeah. professors. It was after the Civil War and after the U.S. had beaten all the Indian tribes. The Indian Wars were basically over at that point. And they were concerned that the next generation of young men would grow up soft. <laughs> so they're like, we, let's invent a sport that just repu- replicates warfare, teaches these guys to fight in the trenches together and, and strategize and have each other's backs and on all this. And so it was like it was a method to just keep young American men tough. On college campuses, which is just like, what a 
what a bizarre, completely alien world like the 1870s were, or whenever that yeah, was. Because, no you know, you could never, you know, college professors would be, are quite literally have the opposite goal in mind now. They really want young men to be women and literally uh they they, yeah. they really want they're they're mm-hmm. pushing all that stuff so it's like it is fascinating how nfl the nfl came about to begin with yeah no it, 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 exactly I, I i mean i think that in many ways i mean the football is sort of like it's like an allegory for for ward um and yeah i, I mean i i think there are a lot of good life lessons to, to be learned from it so you know, I mean, the, the, and, and I, I think that that's, I think for all the reasons you kind of mentioned there, it's like, I think the NFL, it, it, I think, I think that's why it's such an important fabric of the American culture, you 100%. know, uh, and it's important that we preserve it. You know, I remember before Rush died, you know, he used to always talk about how the left has had a war on football for, for quite some time. Um, and I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know where, I don't know where exactly that yeah, I remember like he would share clips of of, 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 of like people at MSNBC and so forth calling for like you know for football to be like completely flagged football, um and, and things like that because it, because you know we're concerned over over CTE and and the like. So um, I don't know like where those people are today exactly in, in terms of like you know trying trying to water football down. But uh, the point is is that like we need to preserve football you know it, it's like it's like preserving football is actually important uh, to upholding uh you know the traditional values of our american culture for sure you know that is actually a funny point that you just don't hear that stuff anymore <laughs> it feels like they I gave know, up right they kind of just threw threw their hands up man because it's just like the nfl's undefeated they've gone through scandal after scandal <laughs> Like the CT right. stuff, which is a real concern. I mean, like no, people die, sure. there's suicides. It's it is bad. They do have to figure out ways to make you know helmets safer, you know, reduced headshots and stuff. But they've had all the different scandals of like, you know, illegal activity by players. They've had all you know all this like, all this stuff, and it's just like, you know, steroids and 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 all of that, and it just doesn't matter. It's still, I mean, like, Twitter. Like we're we're both on Twitter way more than we should be. And, you know, <laughs> it's a good sure. chance most people who listen to this podcast are as well because it's just you got to be a little bit psycho to tune in twice a week and hear a crazy man like me talk about <laughs> politics. But it's like, dude, yesterday, like on a Sunday during the NFL season, there's no politics on Twitter. <laughs> it's just football. It's the craziest thing in the world, man. These so people that good. are obsessed, yeah, congressmen are tweeting about football, senators are tweeting about football, political commentators are tweeting about Like, nobody even cares about politics during the football season on Sundays. Like, it is like, football is powerful in this country, man. It is. And it's really a beautiful thing because I, because we live in an era where like, we're more divided on everything. Uh, and, and football is one of the few things left that we can sort of all unite around because, because you know, we all, we all love it. Um, and so it, it's good to know that on Sundays it's like we can take a break from all the craziness you know, and not just the craziness of politics, and like, but just, you know, the usual stresses of life and all that, you know, and just sort of, you know, get lost in the game, you know, for, for, for the day, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's what sports are, at. I mean, I mean, as sports fans, that's why we tune in, right? It's to kind of forget about, you know, life for a while, <laughs> so. And then old um, Kenny Pickett shows up and just reminds you of the, yeah, of, of the, the pains of life, <laughs> you know. He's like, no, no, guys, this earth is a is a dark place, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you're, you're getting no relief from me. 
Oh, oh man. I'll tell you one more thing about football, specifically fantasy football. And I'm not trying to kick a man when he's down. He's one of my best friends. But J.J. Leahy, I, 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 I mean, like, I can't even feel great about the win. I mean, he had both, and this was a, he knows this was a mistake and he's going to try to do something about it, but he had both uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London on his, in his starting lineup. Ooh. The Falcons Ooh, won. Brutal. The Falcons won. They won by two scores, and those guys gave him a combined 2.2 fantasy points. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Like, I mean, I, dude, I, I, if yeah. Drake London would have caught one pass for one yard, he would have beat me. That's all he needed, one yard. Amazing. Yeah, that's, I guess that's fantasy for you. You know, I mean, last year I drafted Kyle Pitts, and I I, I was stoked. I was like, yeah, Kyle Pitts is a breakout year. And then, and then like, literally every week I was lucky if, if I got, like, you know, more than four points from him. Like, he was just, I, I, I'm not, I don't know if Kyle Pitts is just a huge bust or it's just, you know, the Falcons don't have a particularly good quarterback. I, I, I don't know what it is exactly. I just think that, like, this year, and that in this year's draft, I was like, I'm avoiding Kyle Pitts like the play. You know, yeah. like, no way. I, and so, um, there, dude, there's I, I a guess, couple guys like that that, like, all good fantasy managers, like, have a few guys that you just won't draft. And Kyle Pitts is one of those guys for me because it's just like he's never like he just hasn't. I mean, he's scored like two touchdowns in his career, you know. It's just like yeah. And then another one, and it happened again, is J.K. Dobbins. And I'm an Ohio State fan. Like I thought J.K. Dobbins would be a superstar, but dude, he hasn't like played football in five years, and he comes out and tears his Achilles yesterday. Yeah, that's I, I saw. It's that. like that's it's hard. It's heartbreaking. I mean, if that yeah, guy comes back is, 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 and has, like, yeah. a Adrian Peterson comeback player of the year season and runs for 1,800 yards or whatever, I still won't draft him the next year. Because yeah. it's like, that dude is going to get hurt. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. Yeah, like he's, he's played in, like, 12 games in his career. Yeah, that's unfortunate because I, I think that he was he was still the RB1 in, in Baltimore. He was going to have a great year. Um, you know, I mean, it's just unfortunate how injuries are, are part of the game. And Achilles injuries in particular are really brutal and hard to come back from. Yeah. You know, I I, I mean, until the Niners have had players over the years who've had a, a, like, I think, I mean, they had a couple of players actually over the years that had Achilles injuries. Like, uh, like Navarro Bowman, uh, I, you know, he, he had a pitch on Achilles after tearing his ACL in that uh, championship game against, against Seattle. And so he, was, he wasn't the same player. Yeah. Michael Crabtree tore, tore his Achilles, and he... Oh, that's right. He he was so good a, after that, but, like, if you saw Crabtree... He never had speed Crab, again. I, I, that's, uh, uh, well, well Crab, Crabtree was never really a speed receiver. He was more of, like, a possession guy. Um, but, but but you could just tell, like, if you if you watch Crabtree in that 2012 year, the 90s, made the Super Bowl against the Ravens, like, and then watch him post Achilles, like, you could tell that he wasn't the same player. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but like sure. it, I, I mean, he was still good, but but just not not the same level. He wasn't nearly as dynamic. If Kenny Pickett didn't have an Achilles on either one of his feet, <laughs> he would have put up the same stat line. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I just have nothing good to say about what I watched yesterday <laughs> from my favorite team. <laughs> it's not good. All right, let's talk a little bit of politics. It is going to be a, a shorter episode today, but let's talk a little bit about the world. Um, this is kind of the only thing I, that, that I really want to discuss today, and it's that New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham, a Democrat, obviously, um, says she's suspending the Second Amendment for 30 days in Albuquerque. Um, can't do that. But uh, she says no one can carry a gun for a month. Um, obviously, this was coming. I mean, using—and and she's doing this as a—using uh, a, a state public health emergency order 
um, to combat gun violence or something. Um, and this was coming, obviously. Governors got away with doing whatever they wanted to their citizens during COVID, uh, and they all got reelected. You know, the, the natural progression was uh, public health emergencies, you know, for guns or global warming or whatever the Democrats come up with next. But um, I think we all saw something like this coming, but it still seems a little early. <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely bo- a bold move from this governor. Absolutely a bold move. And, uh, yeah, and what's, what's, what's funny is that right after she announced it, you saw David Hogg, uh, David Hogg, as, as in, you know, the, the, you know, as an, as in, like, you know, Mr. Governor advocate and Ted Lieu, uh, a Democratic congressman from California. Yeah. But both of whom were like, oh, we, you know, we support gun safety laws, but, you know, but we, we, we don't support this because it, this goes against the constitution. So, uh, so obviously a memo went out from the DNC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, hey, like, yeah, guys, uh, that's going to backfire. So on us, so let's just distance ourselves from this as much as possible. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, so I, I guess as much as we should feel good in that, like, there's still enough public support for the for the Second Amendment and for the Constitution that if that at something like that, you know, like there's there's going to be some blowback. You, you know, know, but it is. I want to talk about that real quick. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about that real quick because yeah, I mean you're you're totally right, and and that did really catch me off guard. Ted Lieu and David Hogg, um, two of the most anti-gun people in the country. I mean, there was other Democrats too, like you said. A, a memo definitely went out because they were all using the same language. It's it's fun. It's it's always funny when they all use the exact same verbiage too. You know, it's like, oh, they, don't even, know. like yeah. they don't even put it in their own words. They just like copy and paste it into a tweet. But it's like, yeah, I, this just might be my conspiratorial side, man. I but like, didn't that feel off? Like, it is definitely possible that the the higher ups on the left are like, look, they're gonna get a bunch of blowback. The lawsuits are coming. We got to kind of get ahead of this. But it's like, I don't know, is there something else going on? Like, do they have a different angle? Because these people, like Ted Lieu and David Hogg, don't care about violating the Constitution. None of these people, they wish the founding documents didn't exist in the first place. And and they had no problem with Fauci and Burks and and the the lockdowns, any of the, 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 the unconstitutional actions by governors in the last few years. So it's like... I don't know. Is it, are they just worried that it's not going to poll well, or is it like they're trying to angle for some uh, new gun control proposal that they might be able to sneak through Congress? Or like, I don't know. Like, is it seemed a little bit off to me? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe these people are always up to something nefarious, so I, I just like assume that there's a, a, a deeper something, something more nefarious going on behind the scenes. But I don't know. The whole thing seemed a little off to me. Yeah, I mean, I think we can only speculate as to what's really going on behind the scenes. Um, and I, I assume you hear where you're coming from. Um, but I, 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 I think it was clear based on what they were saying that it is obvious that they were just saying that because they were concerned about how it affected them like electorally. It generally history shows that like when Democrats try to put forth new gun control laws, it, it kind of backfires in in, in whatever, the, whatever the you know the following election is. So. Um, I, I think that has something to do with it, but I, I think the clear concern is that it's, is I think even like 10 years ago, a, a governor even doing this would seem unfathomable. Right. Um, and, and, and now it's like, I don't, I think when I first saw on Twitter that, that she was doing that, I thought it was some sort of like hoax or something that it was just some conspiracy theory account that was, you know, just, retweet, just, you know, retweeting garbage. But, right. then, but then I, you know, I saw, I, then I saw it like report by the AP. So I was like, whoa, oh my goodness, this is, 
you know, this is this is some scary stuff here because, you know, I I mean, again, like we we saw what happened. You mentioned during COVID, you know, this is this, you know, the public health emergencies. Like, you know, governors got away with a lot in blue states, um, and so I think this is clearly a test run of sorts. Right. And there ha- and, and if there's not enough, if there's not enough blowback, if she's not held a- a- accountable electorally, um, then they're going to start. Then, then this is where we could start seeing in blue states where we're after shootings. Uh, blue state governors just start saying, "Okay, we got to suspend gun. We can, we, can, we can start suspending open and concealed carry for 30 days." You know, and then and and then it's gonna be like COVID, where it was like, you know, it's like a 15 days to stop the spread turns into, you know, almost two years. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, I mean, and, and as you mentioned earlier, like they could do this with with climate change too. Like it wouldn't shock me at some point that they try and fought, they try and put like custom lockdown over climate change. Yeah. Like that. I mean, I it's uh, after after what happened during COVID. You know, I, I don't think any of that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I mean, and the, the Democrats are they, they understand human nature so much better than Republicans do because people d- just adapt. And that's why human beings are successful. Is they just adapt so quickly to things and they they accept the yeah. new normal so quickly. You know, it's like five years after the Federal Reserve was 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 created. People were completely gave up on trying to get rid of it. I mean, it was like unimaginable to get rid of the Federal Reserve. The same with the New Deal. Same with Obamacare. They go from how the heck this is never going to work. It costs way too much money. We've got to stop it to John McCain voting down the uh, Obamacare repeal in like six years. You know what I mean? It just happens so quickly. You know, 9-11, which is 22 years ago today. Um, I mean, a lot of things were unimaginable before. And I'm not talking about the, the wars or anything like that, but things like the Patriot Act, the NSA, mass surveillance of, of, of Americans. Um, and then with COVID, too. I mean— locking down the economy at gunpoint. I mean, that was unimaginable, and it happened <laughs> in March 2020. There's a lot of things that were unfathomable that no longer are, and uh, Republicans just don't know how to, like, psychologically combat that, I don't think. I think the Democrats are just miles ahead of us. Um, but when it, when it comes to the David Hogg and Ted Lieu stuff, I think you're right. That is Occam's razor, is that they're just they're trying to get out ahead of it. And what you saw yesterday is a whole bunch of right-wingers, a bunch of patriots marched in Albuquerque, uh, openly carrying guns, um, openly disobeying the governor's order. No one was arrested. The Albuquerque sheriff said he won't be enforcing the ban. I mean, so at face value, I mean, this is very encouraging. I mean, you love to see the civil disobedience. I mean, that's nullification. That's that's how you actually, you know, ch- you know, that's how change actually happens. Um, it, it's typically not through. It, it's by just ignoring laws, not by changing laws half the time. Um, but nobody's taking this governor seriously, uh, which is encouraging. Several lawsuits have been filed already. Gun Owners of America uh, uh, filed a lawsuit the next morning. <laughs> I'm sure the NRA will follow, follow suit. You're yeah. seeing great companies like Phoenix Ammunition, a great company that I support. They're up up here in Michigan. Um, they, they make ammo, and they're offering free shipping on all ammo to anyone who lives in New Mexico until— uh, Grisham is impeached <laughs> or resigns. So they're they tweeting at this governor incessantly, like, we are flooding your state with ordinance and we'll continue to do so until you leave office. So it's just like, I do, I am very heartened by the response from the right. Coordinated, you know, peaceful, non-compliant, more of all of that, please. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think uh, everything you just mentioned there, that's, uh, 
I, I mean, that, that's a good way uh, as as a society, you know, to fight back against against tyranny, you know, to to to, to, to do so, you know, in a peaceful, legal manner, um, through the various methods you described, you know. I mean, I'd like to say kind of push back to to not not just with like you know blatant power grabs like you know like like that, but but you know to other aspects of the, of the woke agenda, you know. The, it, it, I think this would make good in a way that. This can be like a good teachable moment in terms of how, of how like you know, as regular everyday Americans to fight back against this kind of stuff. Absolutely, and uh, w- one more thing, and we can end it on here. Um, a lot of some people on the right, like the national conservative types, decided to defend Governor Grisham for some reason. I saw Michael Knowles and some other of these you know populist type Republicans tweeting. Um, about how, yeah, you know, governors, you know, unpopular opinion, but governors can suspend rights when they want to, you know, no, no, the Constitution isn't absolute. And like, obviously, these people are like this and have become like this openly on Twitter the last few years because they like they dream of some kind of like Catholic monarchy or something that makes everybody live like it's the 1800s or whatever. And like it, they have one true point, you know, if you look through all the BS, they're they're they're, they're one point that I agree with. Is that yes? Republicans need to learn how to govern when they're in power because they just don't like Democrats rule with an iron fist and Republicans do absolutely nothing because they're afraid of the press. Like I do understand that. Like I like the Ron DeSantis yeah. model of actually swinging for the fences when you wield power, um, not not to hurt people, but to to actually get your agenda through. You know, I I no problem with wielding power, um, but like the, the, their point is that. They want governors to be able to oppress people because they want to be able to do the oppressing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, but it's just not—that's so short-sighted because it's not going to work. Like, we're not going to be a Christian, nationalist, Catholic country. Like, that idea probably polls at around 1%. You know, like, it's just not going to happen. So, like, letting tyrannical Democrats get away with evil sociopathic behavior— is not going to have the payoff that these guys think it is. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I have a number of friends of mine who are part of the NACCON movement, uh, including Knowles. So I, I I mean I I'm not going to comment directly on, on that, but, but 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 what I will say is that I think that um, the Constitution has the supremacy clause that 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 basically that essentially says that the Constitution is absolute, uh, and so I think that. Based on that alone, and 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 based on that alone, I mean, the Second Amendment, obviously, what what the Mexican governor did is blatantly uh, uh, unconstitutional, um, and you know, I, I mean, at, at the very least, like her doing it alone, as opposed to like the legislature first, is just you know, that's that 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 in and of itself it, it is a, it is a major power grab, regardless, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's how I'll say about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not meaning to pick on Knowles. He's welcome to come on the show anytime and talk about it. And any interaction I've ever had with him, he seems like a real nice guy. So it's not uh, no no problem yeah, with him is. personally. And I have a lot of friends who are a part of that, you know, NatCon movement. It's just it just doesn't make any sense. Or at least it doesn't make I mean, it doesn't I mean, I disagree with it generally because I believe in individual liberty. But like even if I didn't now is not the time to let governors have <laughs> unlimited power. Like one, I think it's going to be a real rough ye- few years, maybe even a decade for Republicans. I don't think Republicans are set up for very much success. There's going to be a lot of us being ruled over by Democrats, especially if you live in certain mm. parts of the country. So it's like, 
now is not the time that you want to let government run rampant and do whatever they want. Now is the time you really have to limit these people and use weaponize the Constitution to stop these people from wielding power because there's going to be a lot of power-hungry Democrats that achieve the power they desire, I think, in the next decade or so. And it's just it just seems unwise. It seems really foolish and, and short-sighted to me. Ever the fountain of optimism, Brady. <laughs> uh, Dude, Kenny Pickett just beat it out of me yesterday, brother. Like, that was it. I was feeling good. I was like, oh, man, all these right-wingers are protesting and carrying cool guns. That's awesome. And Kenny Pickett has to just— Just ruin oh, it, man. Took a blowtorch to my weekend. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't what know. A, what a jerk, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, Aaron... uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I would agree that, that 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 like it's just like I think having a, I think having a governor of any party with that kind of absolute power is it, just not a good idea, you know. Um, as far as how Republicans do electorally, I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, as we know, you know, these, these election cycles can be very unpredictable. Things change quickly in politics, so we'll see. But what I do know is that you know, big in California, it's uh, you know, only going to get increasingly. Blue. One more point on football. Have you noticed that we talk about our politicians are so old and feeble that we t- we kind of talk about politics the same way we talk about football? We're like, man, look, okay, if everybody stays healthy, <laughs> this is, what, this is what's gonna happen. You know, it's like talking about man if Joey Bosa stays healthy, you know, the Niners defense. It's like. Well, if Trump and Biden don't die, that's probably going to be the matchup next year. But they're both eighty and falling apart. Yeah, it's like, goodness gracious, we we talk about these people as if they're like these wounded athletes or something or something. Oh. But or, or, or even like when it comes to like, um, when it comes to like, like election races, it's like there's always lots of about like momentum. It's like you know, right. it, It's you know, Ron DeSantis gained momentum after after a debate or, or whatever. You know, it's kind of like how, how like, or like in football, <laughs> how, how it's like, you know, a couple touchdown passes, all the, all the Niners have momentum. You know, it's a teacher while it forces the fumble, all the other students have got their momentum back, Niners need to slow it. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's the same sort of thing. It's, yeah. it's the same sort of thing. We can use the arguments interchangeably. Like, well, if the Democrats can stay healthy, I don't know. I really like their <laughs> their, their chances to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> man, you got you really got to feed Donald Trump. He's got the hot hand, man. You know, he's he's averaging six yards a carry right now. It's like, <laughs> it's like the same arguments. All right, all right, Aaron, my brother. I I know we've already kept you over time. Where can everybody read your stuff? Uh, which I highly recommend. Where can everybody follow you online? Oh, all you. that good stuff. Um, you can read my stuff at JewishJournal.com. And follow me on Twitter. I guess it's now X, but it will always be Twitter to us. Uh, it's Twitter. At it's, Twitter. It's, it's Twitter, yeah. At Banner's at, at Banter. Thanks so much, Brady. Absolutely, man. Everybody follow Aaron. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.